podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this evening I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin McCluskey for the Champions League preview. Kevin, all week we have been discussing uh, the what-ifs and who's going to play, who's not, what the shape is going to be. Brennan Rodgers has announced his starting 11. I'm going to run through it very briefly for anyone who's in the comments section who hasn't seen the starting uh, line-up, it's Joe Hart, Alistair Johnston, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Liam Scales and Greg Taylor. It's a back four. Your middle three is made up of Captain Callum McGregor, Matt O'Reilly and Paolo Bernardo. And up top, James Forrest is in for the suspended Louis Palma with uh, Yang on the right, Kogo through the middle. And on the bench, we have Bain, Morrison, Lagerbjelk, Phillips, Turnbull, Home, O, Ralston, Welsh, Frame. And Mikey Johnston, Kevin McCluskey, what do you make of all that? Aye, I think that is, uh, for being honest, Bernardo aside, it's probably the strongest team that we would put out or that most people would have selected. And the only reason I say him aside is because he hasn't featured that much recently in the domestic games. And I don't think I would probably have went with home over him. Uh, I didn't. I thought he was a wee bit off at the weekend, but I want to see him get a, a run of matches. But otherwise, I think in fairness, that's the strongest eleven that we could go with. Um, and I know that we'd spoken at the weekend, and the lad spoke about it yesterday as well. But maybe changing shape. Yeah. I don't think it's Rogers' thing to do that. Not from the start. He seems to be a kind of four-three-three or four-two-three-one kind of a man. So I'm not surprised by the shape. Uh, like I say, it's a strong team. It's the strongest we can put out. So you've got to hope that come the end of the game, they get the result that we want as well. Absolutely. Now, apologies in advance. I coughed and spluttered my way through the actual bulletin with Liam Cargan earlier on. And as soon as it was about to finish up, I coughed my lungs out. So I'm not feeling uh, all that peachy at the moment, Kevin. Um, if I have a wee coughing fit, you can take over. Now, I would agree in that I think it's the strongest... 4-3-3. Now, if you uh, look back on the Wandering Paradise on Monday morning, um, it hits the channel at six o'clock that night. My predicted lineup had Paolo Bernardo in there. And my thinking behind it, Kevin, was that Brendan, I was trying to second guess a gaffer, basically. Brendan Rogers seems to favour Paolo Bernardo in games like this. So uh, that was my thinking behind it. It wasn't necessarily who I wanted in the side. And then this morning or this afternoon, rather, I'm talking to Liam Carrigan about my predicted lineup, and I've completely changed my mind. And I'm saying, right, I think we're going to be playing David Turnbull. And but my reason and my thinking behind that was we were going to change formation. We were going to play three-five-two. The midfield was going to be flooded. We didn't need that additional defensive cover of a Bernardo or a Home or even an Awata because Awata's name was thrown into the mix. Awata's not even on the bench tonight, so. Yes, that, that's kind of thrown my theory um, into the trash can, Kevin, because I was kind of banking on this being a 3-5-2 tonight simply because I felt 
that it was a safe approach. So hats off to Brendan Rodgers because when I see that he's playing the favoured 4-3-3, I see it as more of an offensive approach to this game. I think he's actually going to go toe-to-toe. He's going to go all out to win it with the caveat of there's still a 3-5-2 in the bank if you need it because we've got the personnel on the bench. Yeah, I think I think from a fan's point of view and from you know, our point of view here, three five two makes a lot of sense for a game like today. Um if we don't want to lose the game, which obviously we don't right. But you get three at the back, you can you can kind of flood the midfield a little bit and you get two up front, which gives us the extra goal threat. And it's something we can turn to later on. But I think when you look at Rogers throughout his career, he's he's fairly solid and he likes to be a four three three kind of man. And that's probably a more offensive formation than 3-5-2, the way that he wants to play it, the way that we want to get boys forward from the midfield as well. And this is this is a game that not only can we not afford to lose, I think we can't afford to not win it if we want to have any chance of going through as a third-place team. So he's quite right in that respect, I think, probably to go 4-3-3. It is bold, but, you know, that's his formation. That's the way he wants us to play. And he did it the last time when he was here as well. He was going quite attack-minded out in Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain. We didn't obviously get the results, and we don't want a repeat of that. But he is fairly adventurous as a coach, and I think tonight will be no different. He'll want us to go out and try and impose ourselves and get a result because there's no point sitting back to play for a draw in this game. We have to win it. So you've just got to go for it. Um, I think just to go back on Bernardo, I think he was a surprise for me in the sense that I would have went with home. But when you think about what he offered against Atletico Madrid, that was it 44 pressures that he put in, the stat that's come out. We're going to need boys that have got high work rate tonight as well, you would think. So he's maybe not such a surprise inclusion after all. And it's another massive, massive game for him. If he wants to have a future at Celtic and if we want him to have one, then... He needs to step up and do it tonight to prove that he's the man worthy of taking Hatati's jersey while he's out. And so we can finally stop rotating that jersey because that's beginning to grate on me a little bit. But no one's getting a run of games to cement the place in the team. I think it's a very interesting inclusion this evening, uh, Kevin, because what it does is it starts to beg the question of some of the guys who have not been picked uh, as starters tonight. You mentioned Odin Thiago Holm. I like him. Some people might say, what do you see in him? I think there's been flashes that there's a player in there, but he is definitely the archetypal project player, someone who is going to be bedded into this side over a period of time, Kev. And I think that over 18 months to two seasons, you could maybe see a player develop into you know, the succession planning that we've not always had there, come into this midfield and take the jersey from one of the, the old-timers, one of the old heads. I can see that. Um, on a night like tonight, maybe it's a game too far. Maybe it's a game too big for him. Uh, he's only 20 years of age. He's, he's kind of breaking in on a domestic scene. I think that he showed against Aberdeen some of the, the uh, positive parts of his game and then he showed against Motherwell that he's inconsistent. But that comes with age, doesn't it? So I don't think there's any question marks around his future. The players I'm thinking about, however, are guys like David Turnbull and also the man that Liam mentioned earlier. Although... You know, he did say that he doesn't expect Brennan Rodgers to play Awata. He thinks that this particular game would have been, you know, set up for an Awata performance. You know, that that strong, combative, um, defensive midfield player. 
that would allow Callum McGregor a wee bit of freedom up top. And I know our very own Alan Morrison disagrees with that because we've had that discussion uh, between the two of us where he doesn't think McGregor's got the legs anymore to play in that more advanced role. But Awata isn't even on the bench tonight. And I think that that does not bode well for him coming into the January transfer window. I know that you've got guys who haven't really featured like Mikey Johnson now on the bench and uh, James Forrest, who's been in and out the, the side end of the squad. He wasn't in the Motherwell squad. He gets a start tonight. And also, you know, Stephen Welsh uh, coming into the squad just recently as well. However, I don't think Awata's has got a future at Celtic. I think that the inclusion of Bernardo does not bode well, particularly for Awata. David Trumbull's on the bench tonight. He must cut a, a frustrated figure, Kevin. I mean, he makes an impact when he comes on. Is he a starter in Europe? I think in his own head he would like to be. Rogers obviously doesn't trust him to be able to go out there tonight and play the game plan that he has in mind. Yeah, I think when you if you dig in a little bit deeper to some of Rogers' team selections and some of those bigger games, you start to see those things coming through a bit more. Like he said, Bernardo's a player he seems to trust in these games. He's played Aloni, Aloni, Kev, somebody who made exactly, you know, exactly. And it's it's a strange one because he absolutely seems to trust him in the big games in Europe. Mm -hmm. But at the weekend, he's done to David Turnbull to come off the bench rather than Bernardo. So, you know, maybe just he's picking a team based on the game based on the opposition that we've got. It does seem a little bit strange at times, though, that certain players are not getting a run. David Turnbull, I've got my, you know, I've got my doubts about him as whether he is a, a first-team starter for us. But the fact that he's come off the bench and scored at the weekend, scored the second penalty as well, which the thing that we spoke about after the game and definitely after we were offline and whatnot was the thing about the character of the players. Yes. And Turnbull showed massive character. So as much as I'll have a wee go at him at times for being a bit slow on the ball and being a bit ponderous, he stepped up to score that second penalty, which showed massive character. And maybe he's looking at a game like today thinking, I should be in that team. And the manager doesn't seem to trust him because, again, he's looked, looked at easy, a low knee, a player that no one knows if he's going to stay beyond the summer. He's about yeah. a six, seven million pound clause that he'll have in his loan deal, the same as Jota had. Has Bernardo shown enough that you would spend that kind of money on him? If not, nowhere near it. Nowhere near it, Kevin. Nowhere near it. So there becomes a point where you have to cut that one out and go. Let's develop the players that we've got, or bring someone else in that you you trust a bit more. So, yeah, strange one, strange one. And Iwata, the boy. I mean, we've we've spoken about him since last season about what he offers now I'll go back to the 3-2 game against Rangers at Celtic Park last season when we seemed to be losing the midfield for a wee bit and he's come in alongside Callum McGregor he showed it up he's done it in almost every single game he's come in he's, he looks composed and assured he offers us that physical presence in there yeah he does personally I don't see the reason why Rogers doesn't play him he obviously just doesn't fancy him There's something and he's there. our player He's our player. And he's our player. Exactly Japanese, the point I was just about most, to make. Most valuable player in Japanese football yep. before he signed for us. Exactly. Um, so I just don't get it why he's not in there. I feel really sorry for him. And he probably will be away in January or you wouldn't be surprised if he left in January, put it that way. Because he's just not getting a look in at the moment. So, 
Can I just say though, Kev, um, we've had quite a lot of contributors over the years on a Celtic State of Mind yesterday. Asim Rabani made his debut and he was phenomenal uh, within 24 He's hours. Excellent, by the way. Yes, I know, I know, and he was brilliant on the the nine show last night as well. Phenomenal contribution, but I don't think we've ever had a contributor sitting on his couch stroking his cat like Doctor Claw <laughs> the Inspector Gadgets cartoon. So there's a first for everything, right? Um, let's go. hear your th- <laughs> professional is always me. <laughs> let's hear your thoughts in the comment section. What do you make of that team? Um, is it kudos to Brendan Rodgers because it looks as though he's just going to go out and play toe to toe? Or is that naive? Is that where we go wrong in Europe? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, Jean-Paul II, see nothing but a pumping tonight. Uh, we cannot go to Italy and try and play them off the park. Three central defenders are needed. We were talking about it. Listen, I know Brendan Rodgers is a far better tactician than I. I know that he knows his squad far, far better than anyone who's tuning in here. He sees them on a daily basis, Kev. He can see all the nuances of their game. And a big part of that will be their mentality and their attitude and their uh, application at training, all this kind of thing. So, you know, that side of it is one thing. Fan opinion is another. And that's something that we're allowed in this day and age. We're allowed to give our opinion. And, you know, I, I guess at the end of the game, you know, if, if we win the game, he's a genius. He's an absolute genius if he can execute this. Um, if it goes the other way and it's another humbling or narrow defeat or whatever else, we're going to, I could probably write the script right now for our post-match where we're saying, why didn't we go um, a wee bit more cautious in a game like this? Why are we always so naive, you know, easy to play against, that type of thing? Okay. But I did say earlier on today when talking to Liam that um, we were extremely easy to play against for Motherwell. And if you're comparing that game to this game, it's levels. It is levels above tonight. Um, therefore, we need to be vastly improved from the weekend. We've not done anything spectacularly different. We've got the same shape, um, largely the same personnel. There's a few changes in there, but we really need to step up from the Motherwell game because we were predictable, we were easy to play against. Kyogo was anonymous, other than the 22 minutes he was on the park with O. And uh, we really need a sea change in um, the tempo as well this evening. Yeah, basically we need to look at that performance against Motherwell and do the exact opposite tonight because we were slow and we were turgid and we had no creativity, there was no spark. We need to be completely different tonight. We've sat here and done these pre-match shows for the Champions League games for the last season and a half or whatever and before every single game, I think we've been pretty confident that tonight was going to be the night we'd get the result. After that performance at the weekend, you can't help but come on to tonight and be a little bit more downbeat. Or is it realistic? I don't know. But you look at that and, and you think, if we put in that level of performance as we did against Motherwell tonight, we'll get taken to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. Lazio, though, I mean, they lost at the weekend. And this is the thing I hate to see, to see now, because it gives me a little bit of hope. They lost at the weekend to Salernitana, 2-1, in their bottom of the league. So they're maybe not in such great form either. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've just got to have a sea change in the performance. We've got to lift it. And the thing is, we've, we've seen over the last season and a half, we've seen this season already, in the big European games, apart from the last one, we have been able to lift it a bit. And we have yeah. gone, as you say, toe-to-toe. We have given teams games. We've just not had the final bit of class to see us over the line. One of these days, it has to change. One of these days we have to get that wee bit of luck that will see us through. 
why not make it tonight? Come on, gods of football, shine upon us. The last time we went to Rome to play against Lazio, I think we would probably have been having a similar type of conversation and not been overly confident. And we, we, we raised the game, we raised the roof, and we won that one 2 1. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Maybe. Maybe tonight's the night because we're not feeling overly confident. Kev, there's one thing for sure. We have covered a lot, just the way it kind of works with your location, um, your job commitments and your family commitments and everything else. We've covered a lot of European games and um, there probably hasn't been the vintage performance that we would have liked in that period. But it's true what you say. You're you're talking about the Lazio game last time round, away from home in the Europa League where we win 2-1. And of course, James Forrest uh, scored the equaliser. Um, Immobile scored in seven. A player I've always admired, Immobile, for for Lazio. But Forrest equalised that night. And then deep into injury time, Olivier and Cham scores the winning goal. And it's a famous victory. We beat them home and away um, that season. Absolutely incredible, memorable victory for for Celtic, and it was under Neil Lennon, of course. But, you know, before that game, when the lineups were announced, or before the Barcelona game that we went 2-1 back in 2012, when the lineups announced, I was I was talking about this earlier today, and they tell you that Miku's playing up top, and your central defensive partnership is um, Ambrose and Kelvin Wilson. You're probably not approaching that game thinking, this is the night we're going to get a, a result. So the team, last time round, that we played... You've got a 17-year-old centre forward called Tony Watt on the bench. What chance have you got? I know. It, you know, there's there's the great footage, obviously, of him in the tunnel and the Barcelona players are looking at him as if he's a mascot or something like that. And obviously he comes on and scores the second goal. Uh, but the way Celtic lined up that night against Lazio in the famous uh, away tie where we win 2-1 in the yellow and green top that probably would have been pretty nondescript um, had it not been for that game, that's what it's remembered for. You know how jerseys yeah. then instantly become liked or loathed, depending on um, which games or victories that we've, we've won them. And Fraser Foster was in goals uh, with James A. Forrest and Johnny Hayes playing right and left down the flanks. Alhamid, Julian and Aya made up a back three with Christy Brown and McGregor as your trio, Edward and Elianusi. Up top. So, I mean, to be honest with you, if that was the team uh, that was read out and you and I were doing the pre-match, I'd have probably looked at that team with some confidence. I mean, going back now, there's not many, you know, weak, weak links in that side. I was never a massive fan of John Hayes, for example. Um, But I think most of the players in that team I was pretty confident with. If you're looking at tonight's uh, lineup, are there any areas that you're thinking, right, not quite sure about that? I know that those in the in the comment section are, are mentioning Bernardo, but obviously James De Forrest for other reasons is someone else that I think won't be a particularly uh, for me popular choice playing on um, the left flank in place of Louis Palmer. Probably won't, but who else is there? It's either him or Mikey Johnson, and I'd rather go with James Forrest every day of the week at the moment. I don't I don't understand all the hate that Forrest gets. Um, I know he's getting on a bit, but he's still only 
And this he's 31, 32, something like that. So he's he's not quite over the hill yet. He's a really experienced player. And we need experience in a game like today. Um and he can still do it. You know, he's maybe not got the pace anymore, but I think he's got he's still got something about him in his game. Um and this could just be that that big game that we need that experience to see us through. I'm I'm actually pretty happy that he's there over Mikey Johnson. And when it comes to at the end, Johnson's maybe got the legs. So maybe you get him on for the last 20, 30 minutes and, and that's where he can actually influence something. So I've got no real, no real worries about Forrest up front or out wide. I think I think the obvious point that you've got any worries is left back. It's Taylor. He seems to be the weak link in the defence and teams target him because of that. There's, there's no uh, hiding it that that's where opposition teams tend to play the diagonal balls because they know that he's he can be the weak link. So that's probably the one place. It's nothing new though. We know that's where it is. We just is Forrest ahead him of him, Kev? Is Forrest playing in front of him? He will well, be. Because he I mean, I know be. that he's more effective on the because right. Think, but but Yang's more effective on the right as well. And I think yeah. we need to use him as the right winger. Forrest will come back. He'll try and help him as much as he can. He'll he'll do that in Johnny Hayes thing. Yeah. You know, Johnny Hayes was never the most effective player going forward when he was out there, but he always did put in a shift defensively. So maybe there's there's that thinking as well. Mikey Johnson wouldn't give you a defensive shift. And this Forrest is my well. point. This is my point. I remember so, um you remember when when Johnson was thrown in for his debut and uh, the biggest the bigger surprise was James e. Forrest was playing in front of him. And I think that the reason for that is he's got that work ethic to to you know track back and put in the defensive shift. It's something it was probably the only element of the Jota's game that I thought was weak was the defensive side of it. I think in season two there was more of a dig uh, in Jota's game, but it certainly wasn't a natural thing, was it, to to cover back? You knew that you were you certainly weren't going to get too much in the way of defensive support. Someone might throw some stats. I mean, I, I knew that um, El Yanusi, for example, was excellent in tracking back. You know, it's something that's, that's maybe gone under the radar, but he was a player that you could trust would give your fullback a bit of cover. You could confidently allow your fullback to overlap, knowing that you know the the left uh, winger would would then drop back and cover you. But it, it's probably another consideration because Greg Taylor has come in for quite a bit of stick this season <clears throat> and I know we're quick to do that uh, particularly when you consider how well he's played over the last couple of years under Ange Postecoglou you had that first section of the season where Rodgers was utilising the, the fullback slightly differently Kev but we've now uh, converted them back to what you know what was for me the most um, you know effective position under Ange Postecoglou in that they were more inverted and I think it assists the midfield area as well. McGregor didn't seem to play as well when we didn't have the inverted fullbacks earlier in the season. He's now got a wee bit more support. But he is targeted. He's targeted for club and for country. And um, I think that they see him as a, as a weak link. Uh, opposition teams, they, they look at his stature, his, his physical or lack of physical presence, and they do target him. So I think it's important that you've got Forrest out there as well. Uh, by the way, Forrest is, is no great big defender but I, I do think that his work rate does assist the fullback that's behind him Kev so that, that's a very very important point and uh, I think Forrest's the kind of guy that will put his line his line on the body his body on the line even if he has to you know we've seen the goal that we lost against Motherwell at the weekend that's because Taylor was he was never going to challenge for that so your man gets a free header at it 
if it's somebody even like Forrest that's there, he's at least going to make it awkward for the Motherwell player to get in the end of it. And that's what he'll do again tonight. It's about kind of putting his body in the way. Maybe that's with Bernardo's there. Maybe he'll play the left centre midfield as well. So he'll provide that other wee bit of defensive support. Good shout. And that's yep. why he's in the team. Yeah. So, yeah. Opposition will identify Taylor as a weak link, but I think maybe Rogers has as well and he's trying to defend that weakest area. And if he can keep Yang in the right, I think he's the outball that we need. He's got that pace, he's direct. Um, and if he can find Kyogo with a pass, you put your money in Kyogo to score almost every time. Especially tonight, especially after I'm getting a bit of stick recently, Kyogo. Um, I think, you know what, it's not just about buying basketball players, right? Because we come up against teams like that in Scotland and they're not particularly good footballers. You know, Livingston do it and Motherwell do it. What it's about, I think, though, is uh, looking at the fact that once you step into this arena, Kevin, and again, it was Alan Morrison who made the point, he was very concerned about um, the physical aspect of our midfield. When you step into this arena, you can be overpowered. Now, Greg Taylor obviously has been in the Champions League this season and previously. Um, and I, and I, I go back to signing either a challenger stroke um, replacement in Alexander O'Bernaby, and I question it every single time. Because you look at his, his lack of stature, his lack of physicality. He's five foot five, Bernabe, he's tiny, right? And um, that's why I think that was a, a strange one. And I hope that we are willing to go top-heavy until we can move Bernabe out of the building because I would hate to go through another transfer window without strengthening that area of the park. Now, Chancer, um, Greg Taylor, go out and have the game of your life and ram that down my throat. Hopefully that's what happens, right? And at the end of the game, I can put my hands up and say, Taylor, you're an absolute world beater. Chancer, can someone tell me what Rogers sees in Bernardo? Because I just can't see it. I think what Kev just said there in relation to his defensive qualities, um, the, the thing that bothers me, uh, and this is maybe a legacy thing, is that he is getting the nod uh, over players that are already Celtic players with contracts. And I think what that says, Kev, is that some of the guys we've got at the club already don't have the attributes that, that Rogers is looking for. If we can bring in someone who's an under-21, a Benfica reserve, and he's actually getting a nod over David Tumble and Awata, really, because old uh, sorry Holmes just in the building. But if if you're David Tumble and Awata, you're particularly Awata, you're looking at that situation, thinking, "Where's my future? Where does it lie?" Uh, Turnbull's going to be very frustrated because he has made an impact when he's played this season, Kev. But yeah, Chancellor, I think it is mainly down to the defensive qualities of Bernardo. Someone will have a spreadsheet with all the criteria, and he'll be scoring high. Uh, on all the metrics when it comes to defensive play, Kev. That, that's what I think this comes down to. Yeah, I think so. I think that is why he's in tonight. And the more I think about it, probably the more it makes sense that he is there. It would be a toss-up between him and, and home. But I reckon he's more defensive-minded, Bernardo, and he can. I think he's played more in the left out of the three. So that is probably why he's there. But the, the worrying thing or the concerning thing with that is there's nothing wrong with bringing in a lone player if you're going to play him every week, like we did with Carter Vickers, like we did with Jota. Yeah. Right? They were loan, loans to buy and they played every week and they were worthy of the loan. It is a concern though when you bring in a loan player who is a Portuguese under-21 international, so should have a lot of ability, but he can't stake it, he can't make himself a first-team regular. So he's then on the bench, and you then you are wondering if he's on the bench. Some weeks, not on the bench, the other. 
he's been overlooked at times when he is on the bench because at the weekend Turnbull's the man he goes to rather than him yeah so you do begin to question like at a point okay we can't maybe can't terminate his loan deal right now maybe we could in January why continue to pick him over somebody that's already there why develop someone for another club that you've got no intention of keeping when you've got a good player already in your system then maybe Rogers does see there being a big future in him but he needs to start playing him more and then he needs to start proving when he's in that he's worth it So tonight what we're looking for is player of the match performances from Bernardo and Greg Taylor to prove us wrong Kev they're the two guys that we seem to have singled out tonight (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely Always great to see you in the comments, sir. Um, you've been supportive of the Axon live stream for a good going on four years now, so it's great to see you. That lineup is a joke and not for the first time. We are never going to do anything of note with the current board in place. We play, wouldn't blame Rogers if he walked in the summer. <clears throat> I think Rogers, um, you know, as well as being hamstrung by the fact that he's come into a club who were probably not expecting Ange to leave, therefore, there was things in place, Kev, in terms of recruitment that were already in place and as much as Rogers will tell you that I get final say on this and that, we, we know how football, modern football works with recruitment. Um, and I think also, you know, two batches of terrible injuries. You know, first the first batch was the central defensive area and now we're, we're, we're suffering a situation with the wingers. Uh, so all season, you know, when have we actually played what would be Brendan Rogers' strongest start eleven? Uh, because as soon as Hattati come back from injury and he started showing a bit of form, he was injured again. You know, um, yep. arguably Liam Scales isn't the first pick, although he is on form. We signed a four and a half million pound defender who's not barely played. So, so the strongest eleven has very rarely been at Brendan's disposal. And I think come January, maybe post January, um, if we still have that kind of issue with, with personnel, it will become frustrating for us, but it'll also become frustrating for the gaffer. Yeah, it will do. I think I think you've got to read between the lines a little bit about some of the players that came in in the in the summer and Rogers saying that he's got final say in everyone. I think there must have been a few deals that were quite a wee bit down the line. And we know there were actually, because Tilio was being looked at for two years. Odenholm was lined up, I think Quan would have been lined up, Yang. There's a few of those guys that have been brought in for for Ange. So January is probably Rogers' first kind of solo run at the transfer market for us. So we'll yeah. see who, who he brings in. And I think maybe Jerry mentioned this the other day, but more importantly, who goes? That'll be quite telling as well as he shapes his squad into his his way of playing. But yeah, I mean, you're right. A guy like Brendan Rogers as well, when he comes in, I'm not going to say with his ego, but with his stature in the game behind him, if he's not getting his way, in the transfer market and he will get frustrated because there's only so much he can do when he's going to operate with one arm tied behind his back we know he can develop players but if he's not getting the chance to bring in his type of player then it doesn't matter you know he'll never be able to take us the way he wants to take us so I think I think January as we said at the weekend as well we've been saying for the last week while January is going to be a massive period for us not just for the rest of this season and how it goes, but how we build towards next season as well. You're right. And he does become frustrated. He became frustrated first time round and he became frustrated at Leicester. You know, some of the interviews that he was given in the final season, Kev, and I'm not saying he was getting his excuses in early, 
but he wasn't happy with the players coming in. He, he wasn't happy with recruitment. So, yes, let's focus on tonight and let's hope that Bernardo sets up Taylor for the winning goal because uh, Kevin and I have been talking about and focusing on those two players in particular and Jamesy Forrest. Um, let's go to kick-off. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the pre-match Champions League chat. Um, come back at half-time where you'll be joined by myself and Kevin again. Uh, go and enjoy the first half and hopefully when we do come back we can talk about uh, a positive first 45. Thank you to Kevin McCloskey for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.